0: Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's great to have our special guest preacher today. is a good friend of mine. His name is Reverend Mark Bain. Mark is the Director of Evangelism and Church Planning for the United States and Canada for the Church of the Nazarene. He travels all over the country uh, doing trainings and teaching and preaching. And um, Mark and I have been friends all the way back, I don't know, 2015, I think is the first time I met Mark. And uh, we did a lot of work together on the Michigan district when I was there as a DS. And uh, he was here on the Calif- Central California district doing some training. And I said, I called him, I said, Mark, what are you doing on Sunday? He said, I'm not doing anything, I'm flying back to Florida. Well, the hurricane hit Florida, so no, that's not the reason why he's here. But I said, will you come and preach here at Olive Knolls and, uh, for Faith Promise? And he said, absolutely. Changed his flights and stuff, and uh, it's great to have Mark here. Would you welcome Mark with a good Olive Knolls greeting? Amen. And uh, that would be awesome. Praise God. We're going to bring out our television here. Mark, God bless you, brother. Thank Amen? you, brother. Can I pray bless for you? you? Please. Father, in the name of your son. I just pray right now that you would, um, you, would, you would just fill Mark with the Holy Spirit, touch yes, Father, him, open Father. our hearts and our minds, and relax, Lord, and just enjoy what you want to say through him to us, Lord. So bless him, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. So good to see you. Welcome from Gainesville, Florida. That's where I live now. I've been there for about a year and a half and uh, learning to enjoy the Florida summers. I thought it was hot in Florida until I came here. It is hot here. This desert is hot. I lived in New Mexico for 14 years, so I have some idea of what I was up uh, in for when I came here. Uh, I love Faith Promise. It's, it's uh, probably some of my best memories in my faith happened as a result of Faith Promise Weekends. Throughout my ministry, I've been experiencing them. I pastored for like 27 years. And in those years, I hit a Faith Promise Convention almost every year. And as the pastor, I remember them being the most joyful times and the most challenging times. I had to learn to trust God in ways I'd never trusted God before had there not been a Faith Promise I remember one time I was in a service and I was trying to raise some money for budgets and I'd come to the church at the end of the year and uh, they owed $86,000 in budgets. Now, in the Church of Nazareth, we're kind of a cooperative church. We like to help all around, not only in our local area, but regionally in the world areas. And and so I I was excited about it and uh, realized that we needed to raise that money in a month and a half because the church year ended in a month and a half. I got there in January, the church year ended in March and so... As we begin to take pledges, uh, the Lord said something crazy. Has God ever said anything crazy to you? God tells me sometimes to do some nutty stuff, but that's kind of biblical. It happened a lot in the Bible, you know. Like Moses, I want you to take a couple of million Jews out in the desert. How you doing? You know, it's like crazy. You got some crazy stuff. Hey, tell that water to move, you know, those kinds of things. And so he said, he said, Mark, I want you to give 25000 dollars yeah, you're supposed to go. Because that's like, what? And it was, the, it was the most joyful time to be able to make the pledge. <laughs> and then the next week I had to start giving it. And the Lord blessed us. I wish I could tell you all the stories of God's blessing as a result of that pledge. I just, I, I, a lady gave me a, a Cadillac DeVille within about six months later because we had lost our vehicle. A guy gave me a, a Saab convertible. About a year later, I got a $20,000 check in the mail that I didn't anticipate. It was just watching God take a, a challenging vision that he put on my heart to give something that I knew I didn't have and to turn it into something that made my faith grow in amazing ways. So how many of you could say, I've experienced that kind of challenge before in my life? Raise your hand. Turn to somebody and say, you need some of that. But just tell us, you need some of that. We all need some of that. Uh, I know a little bit about your church. I I know Mel Rich for a long time. I used to serve on the Board of Trustees at Point Loma for about seven years. And in that time, I got to know Mel back when he was your DS, I guess. And then I I know Rob Songer, just spent some time with him. And I served with him for a while when I was a district superintendent. And then I just met Mrs. Rhodes this morning. And uh, I've already heard about your legacy and the legacy of your family. Someone said if it wasn't for her life and her husband's life, I probably wouldn't be in the kingdom today. That's what faith promise is all about. Who's going to be in the kingdom because of our sacrifices? Amen. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, and and a little bit about what God has done in my life. I want to share some personal stories about how world evangelism funds have infected and and, and just changed my life, had an amazing impact on my life. And the first thing I want to share with you is I had a daughter uh, back in 1987 and when she was born, she was born very, very, very ill, very ill. She wasn't supposed to live. In fact, the doctor told us that she would never walk, talk, or sit up. She would pretty much be a vegetable all of her life. He said, you just need to kind of be ready to to manage your daughter until she dies, which won't be very long. She was born with a disease called nascidioblastosis, and it was a really bad disease of the the pancreas. So then about, um, about six months into that experience, Katie had been in the ICU unit from the day she was born until that day. And we had to transfer back and forth. My wife would have to go in during the daytime. That hospital expected one of us to be there 24-7. I'd go in there at night about 8 o'clock after I did most of my ministry. And then after I did, I was a youth pastor then. After I did that ministry, then I would, I would have to head out and go to work in the morning. My wife would show up about 8 in the morning, and she would be there all day. That happened for maybe about seven years, about every six months for seven years. It was an awful time. And that, then we were told by the doctor she had a massive grandma seizure where she Could have lost all of her cognitive capacity. And the doctor said, you're going to go to New Orleans tomorrow. We can either air fly you or you can drive down. Well, we had an old uh, 1982 uh, luxury Le Mans that was beat to smash. I'd had it all the way through college, and I didn't think it would make it to New Orleans. And uh, I had a a pastor loan us a brand-new minivan to go to New Orleans with, and he had no idea how long we would have it. Well, it turned out we had it for about 33 days, and we lived in New Orleans and had to pay rent and had to buy food and all that, plus maintain our house back in Little Rock, where I was youth pastor at. It was a really tough time, but I'll never forget the day that Henry Mills and another staff member came down from North Little Rock. They drove down uh, to to New Orleans where we we had had that surgery. And uh, when we had the surgery, there was only a 25% chance she would even survive the surgery. And if she survived, there was only a 25% chance it would help her. She had the surgery, she survived, but it didn't help her. Her blood sugars maintained the same. She had a subtotal pancreatectomy at, at nine months old. And uh, it didn't change her. She had, so many, she had tumor produ- tumors in her pancreas that produced insulin. It was just a horrible, horrible time. We just thought we'd, she'd die a thousand times. Well, Charles Self gave me this van. And then the pastor came down. And when he came down, he, he said, Mark, um, our, our, our office in our district has applied for a, a, a grant from the World Evangelism Fund for you. There's a fund in the Church of Nazarene that comes from the World Evangelism Fund. If, if a pastor gets in really, really desperate straits, if, he's, if he or she is ordained, there's a gift that they can give to help them through those difficult times. And he gave me a check for $3,600. I want to thank you for giving to Faith Promise. Because I believe that my daughter's alive today because of some of the things that came to us from the Church of the Nazarene through the World Evangelism Fund. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you probably saved a lot of lives. Because you probably have. The reason that's a significant story today for me is because today, about an hour ago, uh, well, here's what happened with Katie. Tell you the rest of the story. Katie didn't get fully healed. She still was sick for the rest of her life. Still is. But she went off uh, finally and got well enough to go to Mount Vernon Nazarene University. She got a degree. Then she came back home and she met a guy. She met a guy on this internet thing. Uh, What's called? Like I don't know if it's some Christian internet. She did. And if you're a parent, you really aren't good with that, you know. <laughs> but then I met Mike, and Mike came around, and Mike got fell in love with Katie, and they got married. And today. Mike and Katie are starting their first senior pastor role uh, just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Their first Sunday is today. That's why this is significant to me. So I, I just want to thank you so much for investing in Faith Promise and for helping people like us. But that's not the only story. I can tell you other great stories about how God has been with us and blessed us and helped us down through the years. I want to share with you three things from the scripture that help us know how to move a mountain. You know Jesus talks about moving mountains uh, in the Bible, and then the verse I want to read to you. It's Mark 11, and uh, I'm going to share the story with you. That I'm going to read just a couple of verses in it, but you know the story. It says Jesus was leaving Jerusalem in Mark 11, and I mean he was leaving Bethany, heading to Jerusalem. And as he was leaving Bethany, he wanted something to eat, and he noticed a fig tree off in the distance. And the disciples were with him, and The Bible makes it clear that they heard Jesus say this. This is an important thing to remember about the passage. And Jesus said, "Cursed are you, uh, you you will never bear figs again. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And it says his disciples heard it. So Jesus made this comment and left. Um, It it just kind of, you know, it's kind of almost to the disciples maybe a flippant comment that they didn't think about. It didn't really occur to them that if Jesus says something that it could actually happen. I said, if Jesus says something, it could actually happen. I said, if Jesus said something, that thing might actually happen, right? And it happens to the thing that Jesus says the thing to. Today, that thing or those people would be us that we're asking Jesus to say something to. And so you know the story. So Jesus goes on through and then he comes back out of the city. And on his way out of the city, he gets to Jerusalem. On his way out, Uh, we'll start reading there in verse 20 of, of Mark 11. It says, In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. I love this story because it just reminds me of human beings. That Jesus is always telling us that we can see great things happen, but we don't believe it. And then when they happen, we go, Whoa! Like, I remember when I gave that gift for faith promise. I couldn't believe a lady gave me, it wasn't it wasn't a DeVille, it was a Fleetwood. I'm like, I got a car, did, my car's blown up, it's awful, I got a car, was like, I, did, I was surprised, I couldn't believe that God was actually noticing what I was doing. When Jesus said to me to make that gift, he said, I'm going to take care of you, and he did. And so the story goes on, he says, when they were leaving, he says, um, they noticed it, and Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that— That you cursed if you read it in the greek properly it's like what peter really says is it's actually withered it's like it actually what you said to that tree it it actually happened like really and that may not seem like a big deal to you but that seems like a pretty big deal to me if you've been around jesus for about two and a half years and you've seen him do these miracles it's a funny thing isn't it every time god does a miracle we think oh that's wonderful because it takes some risks sometimes. You know that faith presumes risk? Could you say that with me? Faith presumes risk. That's what faith is. And, uh, and, but it was, it was a, a risk. And so he says, and this is what Jesus says to them. This is the text of the day. He says, have faith in God. Pretty simple, huh? Well, can we say that together? Have faith in God. Could you say with me, I have faith in God when I say three? I say three. One, two, three. Awesome. Great. Jesus is d- commanding us to have faith in him. He said, I have faith in God. And he says this to him. It's a beautiful story. He says, Truly, what that means is, hey, pay attention. This is important. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, I want to remind you, Jesus is pointing to a mountain. Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains. If you've ever been to Israel, they're not high mountains like. You know, the Rockies, or even what you're used to seeing around here, but they were big mountains to them. He says, if anyone, I want you to hear this, who's the qualifier? Who can do this? When he says, if anyone, who can do it? Anyone. He says, if anyone. He says, if anyone says, say with me, if anyone says, if anyone says to this mountain, so identifies the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt it in their heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Can you say praise God? We could stop right there and just be done, but I've got a few more minutes, so I'm going to go on. So, I'm going to share with you three things that I think are important for us to understand if we want to go through Moving Mountains 101. So, my title is Moving Mountains 101. Here it is. Number one, let God show you the mountain. I believe that Jesus pointed to a mountain, and, and, and I, you know, we, we Christians, we believe that we can move mountains, We do. When Jesus said that, now, in our culture, we're really good at this kind of thing. We believe we can move mountains. Like, you know, if if somebody said, I want you to go move that mountain, I, I know that some Nazarene DS or some Nazarene pastor or some assembly god or free will Baptist pastor would go and they'd find about 4 million Christians, 4 million shovels, 4 million pickup trucks, and in about 400 years, they could move that mountain. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in this story. He's talking about the kind of mountain that moves by the power of God. He's talking about something that happens that you can't explain by who you are, but it has to be who he is to make it happen. Amen? That's what he means when he says, say, move the mountain. And he says, tell it to go throw itself into the sea. Well, I don't think there's, they didn't even have helicopters back then. There was no explanation for how this could happen. It had to be something that God would show up and do. Amen? How many of you could say, I've seen God do miracles in my life? Would you slip your hand up? May praise God. Can we just say praise God together? Praise God. Now, getting God to show us a mountain only happens through prayer. It only happens through prayer. Because uh, you can't dream this stuff up. You can't, you can't. You know, when God does a miracle, you don't think it's going to happen. I mean, you, you think, oh, right, yeah, sure, yeah, God, you're going to do this. I could tell you so many stories about it. I just want to warn you, though, praying for God to show you a mountain is really dangerous. Because he will. I think that's the reason a lot of us don't spend much time listening in our prayers, because if you start listening to God, he starts messing with you. I mean, if you like the way your life is, and if you like the habits of your life, if you like, you know, the behaviors of your life, if you like your budget, if you like your schedule, don't pray. It'll mess you up. Well, You can pray, but just don't listen to God. Just do all the talking, and then you're going to be fine. But when you stop and start listening to God, He's going to call you to do stuff that you can't do. That the only way it's going to happen is if God shows up and does it, or you're going to look like a fool even talking about it. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the cool thing about this tree. It says the tree was out of season. I want you to think about this story. The tree wasn't supposed to be bearing fruit at that point. This is one of the things that always confused me about Jesus. Why would he curse the poor tree if it wasn't supposed to be bearing fruit? Why would he do that? It's a really simple answer. Jesus is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And if he wants some fruit, he wants fruit. And if you don't provide it, it's going to wither. It's just that simple. That's what happened in the story. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of. So if Jesus says to us we should be obedient and responsive to him, we probably should. It would probably be a good idea, be a good thing. But the seed, this tree, I just can't believe it. I thought about this so many times and wondered why. That when, when God wants something, he asks us to do the thing that he wants. But more often than not, and almost without exception, it's always bigger than just getting fruit off of a tree. It's bearing fruit for the kingdom, right? This happened to me. I, I was going to Kansas City because this new job I took as the director of evangelism. I'm, I'm driving into Kansas City in a big old Penske truck. As I'm driving along, my wife is with me, and I'm praying silently, you know, like so my wife wouldn't hear, because I was trying to figure out which church we should attend when we move up there. We had just left, being the district superintendent of the Joplin District, which is just south of Kansas City, about about two hours and a half drive. And I prayed, Lord, where do you want us to go to church? Because there's some good churches in Kansas City, like there's Kansas City First Church. There's Central Church of the Nazarene, and there's like college church. These are really great churches. And I was looking for a church that my wife could go to because I travel probably 25, 27 days a month. And I want her to be in a place where she can be fed and she can be ministered to, you know, the things that you kind of want for your family. And I said, Lord, where you want me to go to church? And the Lord said, I want you to go to an inner city black church. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I'm white. <laughs> and he said, I knew that. I said, well, what inner-city black church? He said, it doesn't exist yet. You're going to plant it. I said, that's impossible. I'm only going to be in town three, four days a month. You kind of missed this one. So I was thinking maybe it was my other personality talking, not God, right? That's, sometimes when God says crazy things to you, you think, that can't be God because that doesn't seem possible. And I actually said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, Father. That's not right. I was teasing. I didn't really do that. And, and the Lord said, And when I said it was impossible, you know what the Lord said? He says, that's why I'm asking you to do it. I'm tired of you doing stuff that you can explain by your activity and your energy and your resource. I want you to start dreaming some things that will only happen if I show up and show off. You know, God likes to do that. He likes to show up and show off in our lives, amen? So, and I believe that's the first step of faith promise, is hearing from God what the mountain is that he wants you and I to climb. You have a big mountain, and when I looked at this, I am so impressed, Pastor, and, and board members and leaders, whoever cast the vision. You're an amazing church. I don't think I've ever—I've done a lot of faith promise conventions in my, in my life in ministry. But I don't think I've ever spoken at a faith promise convention that's spending almost as money for local missions as they do for world missions. I want you to give yourself a hand. Would you do that? Just get—yeah. And, and get, reach your hand over and pat the person's back next to you and say, you've done good. Because you did. That's an amazing thing. Uh, You have mountains corporately, and man, you're you're trying to raise uh, quite a bit of resource for this faith promise. I I was kind of thinking when I was talking to your pastor, I thought, wow, you're you're trying to raise a lot of money for this church. But I thought, $75,000, and then I went back, and that's when my mind went back to to Louisiana, New Orleans. And my my mind went back to another experience that I had. So I just want to thank you for giving. Thank you because your gift of faith promise are not only making a, an enormous impact on the world, world regions are growing faster than USA Canada by a long shot all the time. And if you give a dollar to world evangelism, it amounts to more souls than maybe $100 or $300 to, world evangel- to what we spend in the United States. Somebody say, praise God. That's where your resources are going. So I'm going to ask you today to ask God to show you the mountain he wants you to see. So would you just bow your heads for a moment? Everyone, no one look around. I want you to pray this simple prayer out loud with me if you would. Would you do that for me? Heavenly Father, thank you that we get to participate in seeing people come to Jesus all over the world through our gifts. Speak to me about what gift you'd like for me to make what mountain you want me to climb or to move this year? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you a video of a little church, the one that I planted. I told you about it in Kansas City, and I was there for four years. And this was in 2000 and I think 20. It was right in the middle of COVID. I heard your story that you continue to do ministry in the middle of COVID. And uh, it was right in the middle of COVID, and they told us don't do an outreach event. But we decided that God wanted us to keep reaching lost people in spite of how bad things were. I just want to show you this because some of the resources we used to help these people in the city came from the World Evangelism Fund, which you're giving to you today. Let's show the video, please. <laughs> I wanted you to see that because that church, that church received $30,000 from World Evangelism Funds to get started. Can you give yourselves a hand again for that? And I want to just say one more time, thank you for your gifts. Because I could tell you stories after stories after stories about people who are serving Jesus today, I could tell you about Loranda, I could tell you about Tiffany, I could tell you about Tammy, I could tell you about uh, Lashandra, I could tell you about like fifty people that have come to Christ because of your sacrificial giving, not only around the world but even in the United States and Canada. There's more to that story. I'll share that with you later. I want to share another picture with you. Uh, God spoke to me again after we were about a year into this plant. The Lord said, "I want you to plant a church in Indianapolis." Well, I said, Lord, that's crazy. I'm pastoring a church. I'm traveling 27 days a month. I I don't have time to plant another church in Indianapolis. He said, give it a weekend once every month. So I did. Once a month, I decided to go to Indianapolis. This is one of those weekends. We went there. The church was empty. We inherited an empty church. I came there on a Thursday. Me and a friend of mine began to pray. We handed out 750 flyers. We began to pray. And guess what the denomination did? The denomination gave us $10,000. It's from what's called a hope fund. You probably don't know about this fund, but if if you plant a church in the United States and Canada, there's a fund called a $10,000 hope fund that matches anything the local church or the district would give for a new church plant. Do you know that more people come to Christ through new church plants than any existing church? That's been proven statistically and historically for like 100 years. Church planting is the answer to doing what we need to do moving forward. Every church has a life cycle, and we need to plant new church. Yeah, you can give God a hand. Join our brother. That's a good thing. So we got... We got $10,000 for that. And we came there, we handed out fires. That night we had 124 people show up. First night, of the sur- we filled the service on the first day of our, our, our service. Then I came back again, and there's another picture. Uh, and we gave an invitation. The people standing, I just wanted you to see this. All the people standing are people that accepted Christ as their Lord that night. Now there's a pastor there in Indianapolis that's, that's pastoring that church and leading that church. So I'm just telling you, God sometimes— God tells you there's a mountain that you just can't move, but if you'll just say yes to it, God will do the miracle in your life. Amen? That happened to me. Now there's a church there on Ritter in uh, in Indianapolis. We got the $10,000 fund. I want to just say thank you again for giving to the Lord. I want to introduce you to our first convert. Next picture is, shows you a picture of a redhead. She lived right next door to the church and uh, I went knocked on her door. So when I first came there, she was the first door I knocked on that weekend that we ministered to 750 sent out 750 flyers. And I knocked on her door and, and she came out and her name is um, Madonova, Madonna Ely. She gave me permission to show you her picture. I knocked on her door and when I came in, she let me come I'd been working on the trees, so I was all nasty. Uh, I was, I was, uh, so I came in and knocked on her door and she let me come in the house and talked to me for two hours. She sat on a Lazy Boy, and she sat there. There was a 12-pack of beer over here. There was a case of cigarettes, a carton of cigarettes over here. And I think she had a couple of marijuana joints over here underneath the paper that I didn't see. The reason I think that, it was in that two hours. I drank so much water, I had to go to the restroom. When I came back, it smelled like somebody smoked a joint. So I figured she was probably—you know what she told me that day? She said that she used to be a stripper in Las Vegas for like 26 years. She moved to Indianapolis because she said they don't have a good retirement fund in stripping. And she came there, and, and, uh, and she gloriously gave her life to Jesus about three months later. She's serving Jesus because of the resource that someone gave to Faith Promise. So I just want to say thank you again for giving to Faith Promise. Would you turn to the person next to you and just say thank you for giving? Thank you for giving, man. It's changing lives. I can tell you so many stories. The second thing that, if we want to move a mountain, the second thing we need to do, not only do we ask God, we need to ask God to identify our personal mountain, but we need to share our mountain size uh, with those around us. In other words, we need to share our vision. I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you, if you say to that mountain, and He's talking about speaking it, verbalizing what God has said for you to do, actually saying it out loud. And uh, God will do that. My favorite mountain moving story happened in Albuquerque. I preached a sermon one time, and you may know the passage. It was from 1 Chronicles 21-24. It's about David when he had, you know, he didn't have faith. So this is a faith promise convention. So we're trying to talk about the converse of what happened in that story. David didn't have faith, so he asked his his general to count all of his fighting men because he didn't know if he had enough to win. And he had always trusted God before, but somehow he kind of stopped trusting God. And when he did that, a great plague fell and thousands, tens of thousands of, of Jews died. And God gave him kind of an ultimatum of what he needed to do to kind of fix that problem. David said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to make an offering. So he went over to see another king named Adonai. And he said, I'd like to buy a threshing floor from you and hundreds of thousands of cattle and goats and all kinds of crazy things. He was going to like millions of dollars worth of sacrifice. And that king looked at him and said, old King David, live forever. He said, I will not charge you. You have all those things, the threshing floor, the cattle, you have it all free. And David said this, now this was a part of my message. We were trying to raise money to help some needy people with some backpacks. And I said, David said this, he said, I will not offer the Lord my God offerings and sacrifices that cost me nothing. So I said to the crowd that morning, I said, I want to challenge you to make a gift today in this pledge campaign that's going to cost you something. Something, you'll notice it being gone. Now, it may not be a lot. Maybe you get a steak once a week. Instead of having a steak for the next five weeks, you'll have a hamburger. Maybe you usually have a Coke every day. Instead of having a Coke, you're going to have water for the next couple weeks. But I want you to make a gift that's going to actually make you think about the gift after you give it. Give a gift that's going to actually cost you something. Well, I had a layman in my church who was quite wealthy. He was a PhD from Harvard in applied physics. He was smarter in his whole body than I am in my smallest bone, he was just brilliant. He worked for Sandia Labs, and he was, a, he was a layman. He'd been involved with missions all of his life, but never local missions. Always international. He'd go and do work and witness trips. And uh, that day, Larry came to me, and he was kind of mad at me. I was stepping off the platform after the message, and we had reached our goal, and Larry came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, I've, I've got a problem with your message. He was a little upset with me. And Now, we were friends, so he wasn't like mad to like hit me in the face kind of mad. He was just kind of bothered a little bit. I said, what, would you, what, was, what bothered you? He said, He said, your sermon bothered me. I said, why? He said, because if I were to give something that would have an impact on my life, I'd have to give a quarter million dollars. And I just went, hey, bro, you know, that's you and Jesus, bro. (laughs) I I didn't say any numbers, bro. (laughs) Quarter of a million dollars, that's what he said. I said, brother, you just got to talk to Jesus. So I left. Well, the long story short, Larry got a vision. One of the ladies that came to the event that we gave backpacks at came from an area called the Pajarito Mesa. Larry went over and helped them with backpacks. And next thing you know, he starts a Bible study in this community. It's the poorest neighborhood in all of New Mexico. Everybody there is mostly, without exception, undocumented people from from Mexico. And uh, half of their husbands are locked up in Mexico. They can't come back because they tried to cross the border and they were caught. And uh, Larry started a church. He bought 20 acres of land. Uh, he built a building, he built a parsonage and a worship center in a a space for Sunday school. Larry planted a church, got ordained when he was about 72 years old. That church is still going today, and they got the HOPE grant. So I want you to say, praise God for World Evangelism Funds. Would you do that? This is another story of how God did that. Praise God for this. So sharing the vision was the first step in the fulfilling of the vision when you think about Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. Joseph had a dream, Remember? But he shared the dream with his brothers. Now, it didn't seem like a smart thing to do because they hated him already. But he shared the dream that they were going to worship him one day. They didn't like it. I tell you, sometimes the dreams that God gives you, the mountains that God tells you to climb, you're going to think that it's impossible. There's no way it's going to happen. But if you'll say it out loud and trust God for it, it'll happen. Somebody say amen. Third thing that needs to happen if you're going to take mountain mountain moving 101 is you have to have faith in God. Verse 22 of that passage. When Jesus says, something, we need to act on it. When Jesus says something, we to act on it. I want you to know that the word faith is a verb. It means action. It's one thing to say you're going to do something for God. It's a whole other thing to do it. Uh, was it Larry Elder that says, well done is better than well said? He quoted someone else. In all of the Synoptic Gospels, there's one story that stands out to me, and it's the story of the paralytic being brought in to the building where Jesus was speaking. You remember the story? There were so many Jewish people, religious people around, there was no room for them to bring this guy that was needy in. In Matthew 9 2, Mark 2 5, and Luke 5 20, all three of those passages, it talks about it. And this statement is made at each point. It says, it says, when Jesus said, when he saw their faith. How do you see faith? That's what makes it such an amazing verb. When you see faith, it means it's what God told you to do is actually starting to happen through your life. You're actually doing it. These guys, in order to get this guy healed, had to dig a hole in the roof, lift him up, carry him over, drop him down right in front of Jesus in order for him to be healed. They saw, he saw their faith. I believe that God's going to help us to have faith in God as we begin to start trusting him. Their faith was displayed in action in getting the paralyzed man to Jesus. Has God ever asked you to do something crazy? Now, some of you have already asked this, some maybe you said yes. I told you the story of on the way to Kansas City, what the Lord did to me, what he said. I want to share a little bit more of that story with you now. I want you to meet Marvin. There's a picture about uh, four or five clicks ahead, if you want to, there it is. Uh, this is Marvin. Marvin is a young man. Uh, he was 16 years old when I was in Kansas City. and. And we began to start serving the Lord and doing things there. And people got saved. This is his father, Marvin Sr. and Daryl, his cousin. There I am. We started Bible studies in our home on Sunday morning because our church service was Sunday night. Because. The only people awake on Sunday morning were people going to church. So we don't want to start church to get them. We want to get the lost people to come. And so Marvin comes and gets gloriously saved, gets sanctified. And the next thing you know, Marvin is now going to Bible college, Nazarene Bible College, studying to be a minister. And the reason I tell you that story is because out of the funds that we got from World Evangelism Funds for our church, I told you we got 30000 for this church, we put 5000 of that in the Bible college, and he's going to school on that scholarship today. So I want to thank you for your faith promise giving. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm so grateful for your giving and for your sacrifice. I got to remember this last week. I was in Kansas City, and Dr. Eddie Estep, who's the district superintendent of the Kansas City district, said to me in a meeting, he was introducing me for some kind of a presentation I did, he said, I want to thank God for what happened in Kansas City. He said, I believe that the Total Life Church of Nazarene that was started four years ago by Mark and his group is going to produce ministers to start black churches all over North America. Praise God. That's, that's a minor gift. It's $5,000 grant to the Nazarene Bible College, but that money came from you. And I want to thank you for your giving and praise God for your sacrifices. I want, I'm going to skip over that slide that talks about uh, Acts because we're running out of time. And uh, I just want to tell you um, this final thought. The question really is not how much money we have. It's really how much God wants. It's not what resources we have. It's what God wants. I've learned throughout my lives that I have to trust Jesus when he tells me something, no matter how crazy it seems. Today, there are now four total life churches of the Nazarene in urban cores across North America. A fifth one's about ready to start in Minneapolis. God gave me a visit to plant 200 of those five years ago. And just in about five years, we already have five. Can you say praise God? I want to tell you that each of those churches have received a HOPE grant. matching fund that helped them to be able to survive and plant their churches. Praise God. So the question today as we close this time of the the event, of the service, is this. Do you trust Jesus? If Jesus tells you to do something, are you going to be like the tree that says, no, I'm not going to cooperate? Are you going to say, yeah, I'll do whatever he tells me? I want God to show me the mountain he wants me to climb. And then once he shows me, I'm going to put steps into my faith and make it happen. So let's show this video and then we'll close.
2: I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't.
3: <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. You.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Stand here and face this direction.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, do you trust me?
2: Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Right,
3: well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. right okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, Yes, Jesus, I trust you.
2: Even though I don't.
3: It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me?
2: <laughs> yes, Jesus. I trust you.
3: Now, fall back.
2: Are you going to catch me?
3: Don't worry about that part.
2: Okay, that's the part I'm worried about.
3: (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back.
2: Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. (laughs) Yes, I do trust you. I'm
3: going to fall back. Okay. (laughs)
2: That's
3: great. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me?
2: Yes, Jesus, I trust you.
3: Now, fall back.
2: Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right, I'm really gonna do it. <laughs> okay. Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really come. You're ready for level two! Level two, here yes. I, yes. I come, baby! Woo! Oh. Woo!
3: <laughs> okay, hold it.
2: <laughs> oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. <laughs> ah, right. Okay.
3: <laughs> this one's a little bit different, though. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me.
2: Woo! Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa.
3: Okay, um, wait for my signal.
2: Oh, right, the Jesus signal.
3: <laughs> yes, the Jesus signal. Do you trust me?
2: Yes, Jesus, I trust you so much!
3: Good. Fall back.
2: That's awesome. It is
3: awesome. (laughs) Especially when you do it.
2: Uh, Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you notice this, but there is nobody over there.
3: I know it looks that way to you.
2: It looks that way. It is that way.
3: You can do this, Laura. Just trust Uh, me and fall back.
2: Jesus, I can't do that. We can do
3: it together. I can't. You can. I won't.
1: I think you will. I wanna ask you to bow your heads with me and I'd like to pray for you. Father, we come to you in the strong and the mighty, powerful, miracle-working, mountain-moving name of Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us today. We have a pretty major thing we're trying to do in this service to raise a lot of resources, not for us. Thank you for the Olive Knowles Knolls Church, Lord, that thanks beyond itself. What a great miracle, what a great legacy. Today's going to be an opportunity for us to really think beyond ourselves and dream beyond ourselves. And I pray right now that you will name a mountain for every one of us to be willing to let you help us cast into the sea. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen.
0: Thank you, Mark. Pastor Cedric's going to come and lead us in our closing song. And as we sing together, I just wanted to encourage you to take your card out. Your faith promise card, this is what we do every year. And uh, you see all of the information in your brochure about what we're doing. But there's one additional thing I want to point you out to, and that is you can also not only give of your resources a month per week or per month or a one-time gift, put your name and email on there, but you can also sign up for areas that you'd like to serve in, because we believe serving is just as important as giving. And um, so take advantage of that. And then if you're interested in specifically supporting Keeper's Transformation House, Well, I'm asking you that you would give a special gift of either $25 a month, $50 a month, or $100 a month specifically to support the Keepers Transformation House and the ministry that is happening in our partnership with Keepers. And uh, you can check that off on your box box there and you can take your card and then as we're singing this card if you're ready to I want you to come down and lay your card on the table down here on the on the altar and say Lord I'm trusting you I'm stepping out I want to do what you called me to do and we'll be collecting these faith promise cards over the next couple of weeks we realize some of you need to go home and pray amen and uh, but if you've already prayed you've been thinking about this you know that and you're ready to give turn in your faith promise card why don't you come and do that let's stand together. As we sing, send us out. Father, thanks so much for the message we've heard this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the message of uh, helping us to learn how to move mountains by faith. And I realize, Lord, that um, I wish we had another 15 or 20 minutes right now in this service, Lord, but we don't. So, God, would you speak to us right now? And would you help us, Lord? And if there's anyone here that's willing to say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to put my card in. I'm ready to put my faith where, where it matters. I'm ready to step out. Pray right now they'll come and lay their card on the altar as a way to say, thank you, Lord. And I am stepping out by faith to do what you called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.